1: hope everybody's paying attention today because we're going to learn about a new york city homicide detective and he has a book out called living blue and his name is jason palomara welcome to the show jason how are you doing good john thank you for having me so man i mean you know you go through a career 25 year career being a homicide detective and you write a book does it seem like 25 years (laughs)
0: <laughs> it, no, the, September 11th, 2001 uh, was how I began my career. I've actually started July 2nd, but uh, it, it really feels like yesterday. So no, it doesn't feel like that long.
1: And when you were growing up, I always like to find out you know, who the person is. Uh, you grew up in an Italian family. You told me you're half Italian, half Maltese. Is that what Correct. you said?
0: Yes. Now, where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Long Island, New York. Uh started out as a baby in Rigo Park, Queens. And my family moved out to Long Island when I was very young. Uh, so most of my, my, my major part of my life was in, in Long Island. Uh, and then I went to the military and spent some time down in Virginia and overseas. But uh, Long Island, New York is where I was born and raised. Now, was uh, was mom and dad, were they in law enforcement at all? Or No, I'm the, I'm the only one in my family in law enforcement. No, not at all.
1: When you're in the military, you're in the Navy. And, and did you ever think you would be a homicide detective?
0: No that's probably the furthest thing from what I could imagine myself having done
1: and and what what kind of pushed you that direction
0: always wanted to join the military to start uh, my dad was, is, is a Vietnam Army veteran Godfather my my uncle John was in the Navy um, that's the route i I gravitated towards and I always wanted to be a cop didn't know what I wanted to do when I became a cop but uh, it's it just it I guess it's that in an intrinsic trait of of service that I just, um, I guess drawn to like many, many other first responders, uh, always wanted to be a cop.
1: Well, I've talked to people like Barbara Butcher. I don't know if you know Barbara, um, before and, um, you know, I have a little spirituality going on. I have native American, native American on both sides of my family. And when I talk about, you know, people who are involved in this type of business, you know, when you when you investigate a case, what do you feel like you absorb from that case? You know, because whatever energy that you're around, obviously, you're going to absorb that. Did you ever notice taking on energy when you were investigating murders and so forth?
0: It's an interesting question. Um I could just speak from my own personal experience, and I, and I know many other detectives might feel the same, is you get so intertwined with your victim and their family, and you become part of that world for so long for that investigation, you can't help but to uh, feel a, a closer connection. Uh, I did. Uh, I never set out to have cases that involved children, um, but the way it worked out, most of my cases were young adults. 16 17 18 you know at the time my children were young too so yeah i got very connected to those families and to those victims
1: still am did you ever did you ever feel like that negative energy was just just pulling you pulling on you a little bit
0: if i had to say when that might have happened that was probably during interviews with the ones who who murdered my victims um you you definitely felt that you were in a not not a good place Uh, and not not in good company during those interviews
1: and, and what did you do you know you go through this investigation you do the interview you meet the guy who supposedly killed the kids or the family and you know how do you release and relax you know I mean because I'm sure that weighs on you especially
0: having a, a 25 year career you're working for the victim like you're there as their their voice it's really not me in the room not my partner in the room it's the victim in the room so our job my job is to to speak for them so you kind of put everything else aside and it's 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 showtime and it's you're the end of the road cold case is the end of the road right it's at the end of any available um opportunity to uh, solve a case um, so it's it's the end of the rope it's the end of the line and it's yeah you're, you're there as the victim for me it, it was easy to put any anxiety or fear or uh, trepidation behind it was because uh, you, you, you have a power behind you that the other individual doesn't have, and that's the victim.
1: You know, from the public standpoint of, you know, the outside looking in, you know, I don't think we really realize what type of, uh, you know, emotional type of deal that is uh, that you have to deal with. And, you know, I know you, ha- you have to be tough, you know, do you feel like it's almost like a third wall, like you're an actor and like, you know, you go in there and you're AKA detective. When you leave, you know, you're Jason. You know, is it is it kind of that scenario and feel? You think a little bit. Just
0: the career in general you're, you're asking about. Yeah, just,
1: just yeah, yeah. Like you know, you just said you you're the victim, right? And. You know, when when an actor or when I talk to some talent or whatever it is, you know, to express themselves, they would be a different character. And then when they're off camera, they're themselves. Do you think it's kind of that a similar scenario to kind of, you know, help yourself get through this this type of business?
0: I guess maybe an element of it. But, you know, a lot of a lot of it's preparation. Right. I come into the room. I need to know more about you than you know about yourself. Right. So it's that preparation. It, it is a performance, right? It's a particular type of performance. Um, so yeah, I'm going in there, uh, as me, right. And my skills and, or my, my, um, uh, my personality, right. Plays into how I'm going to engage with you and speak to you. But a lot of it's, is the preparation piece. So it is, um, it is getting ready for that, that stage, which is that interview room.
1: When you interview these people, I mean, what was each case different or did each case have a similar a similar tone of anticipation
0: what you expected they're all different they're all different at the end of the day it's a life that was taken by another human and your job is to get that human to admit to or shed light on why this happened Um, so that's their common denominator but each individual is different you're dealing with a different personality you're dealing with different circumstances a different life so they are different the cases are different the the facts are different but at the end of the day, it's, you're in there for one purpose and that's to get answers. How you get those answers is up to the individual detective and in how they approach it.
1: And what, and what kind of tactics do you use? Is there a, a structured approach? Is it, do you get a read on the
0: person or or do you have like A, B, C, D? Well, there's no phone books involved. That's, that's old school. It's again, back to the preparation, right? If I go in there not knowing, uh, information i'm setting myself at a disadvantage um you know just like this podcast i researched somebody i the name alone was good enough my wife tells him she's unimpressed with me all the time so i knew that it was going to be great um but (laughs) it's it's that it's that pre-work right i need to know who the individual is i need to know what they did in their life um there's no trade secrets right It's it's going in knowing your case, knowing your your bad guy, knowing your victim, knowing all the circumstances, and it's a bit of playing off that other individual as well, right? Because it could it could shift just like a podcast, right? A Question could lead you down a rabbit hole, right? It's the same thing. Um, You have to watch the engagement. You have to see how the other individual's responding, and you're with your partner. As well, in some circumstances, you're playing off of each other's strengths and weaknesses.
1: You get out of these cases, and what what case do you think was the most interesting, and the the oddest, the weirdest, something that really hit your heart
0: heavy? Uh, I say unfortunately, uh, but unfortunately, it's hard to narrow that down because there were a few. Um, One in particular that I've spoken about in the past is the case of Rashawn Brazell, a teenager who was – he was murdered by somebody and um, it was a gruesome murder. And what has hit hard about that case is the, um, the diminishing interest by the district attorney's office to pursue the case to its full conclusion. You know, when things happen and, and the media is involved, it's, it's the flavor, right? If it garners the attention of those in, in power, uh, they'll, they'll take that on and talk about it. And everything that they're doing for it when years pass and the time creates greater distance the interest kind of again diminishes um so that case was um unfortunately not seen to the end um the way it should be in the legal system but for the family we got closure uh we found out who it was we got answers the person is behind bars because they committed another murder but that the case of Rashawn Brazell is probably one of a few ones that really have uh, not only affected me uh, in, in a professional role, but it, it affected myself and my family, too, because it was every minute spent investigating those cases. And every minute spent doing that was minutes less with my own family. That one in particular, to answer your question, it hit pretty hard.
1: So when you talk to these these suspects, do you think there's um uh, a tone, a narrative that comes from the suspects. I mean, because I always say, like, you know, people in prison. There's a lot of people in prison make a bad decision, and then there's twenty percent that are just not coming back. They're just not coming back to us. You know, they're not crossing back over. You know, they're they're the ones that probably need to be in the prison. Was there a commonality with these people who committed these murders? And and what do you what's your perspective on their their mindset
0: of just in life in general? Good people sometimes do bad things, right? I recognize that. And sometimes we end up um, on the wrong side because of bad decisions, right? Whether it's youth, environment, what have you, right? So everybody needs to get a chance to to explain maybe their shortcomings. But the people that committed these murders, they're empty souls. There was no coming back you know, the difference between an individual like that, that deserve, like you said, deserve to be behind bars, deserve probably a little bit more than that. But there is a difference between an individual like that, maybe somebody that just misstepped in
1: life. I'm a big, you know, studier of subconscious and and understanding the non-conscious and things like that, you know, and I think a lot of people carry things with them, you know, to get to that, to get to that point, right? What what do you think that is? Do you think that's a a non-conscious person that's just born that way? Or do you think this is something that could be triggered through a a non-conscious person, you know, later in life while their subconscious is being programmed? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, if I had to boil it down to one word, evil. There is evil. Um, Yes, life circumstance can help uh, create an individual, right? It, it, um, you know, life circumstance, when I say that, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, an empty household, uh, um, you know, things that as you're going through life were out of your control. Um, but there comes a certain time that you are now in control of your, of your life. And when evil enters the picture, there's not much you, you can do with that um, and these people were
1: and how many how many homicides did you take on
0: in your career? Well I was in the cold case squad um, from uh, about five years I, I would say I'm trying to think back I would say maybe a dozen to 20 homicides you know keep in mind these homicides um, are investigated for many many years They take a lot of time. So at any given time, you could be working on one or two pretty hard and have others kind of in the background. Uh, You know, the public doesn't see a lot of what goes on, but a lot of hard work is done by uh, by these detectives all, all over the place. Um, and it takes a lot of time. So, you know, it's not the solving in an hour like your TV show scenario. Mm-hmm. They, they, take, they take a significant amount of time. So I would say I would say about, you know, about 20 cases, 20 homicides. Is there any type of trigger that
1: that triggers these cold cases that you recognize? Hey, here's you know, here's a cold case. It's been sitting there 10 years and all of a sudden, boom, there's a trigger for that one. What what is that?
0: Sure. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it could be a number of things, right? It could be maybe something popped back up in the news, right? Maybe there's an anniversary and um, the media now has a new renewed uh, attention to it, right? It could be a family member calling to follow up on their loved one's homicide. Hey, can you look into this? It could be it could be self-initiated, which uh, most of mine were. Uh, what does that mean? That means, you know, you look at a case 10, 15 years ago, they didn't have the advancement of technology back then. Um, you look at the type of homicide, certain homicides um, provide a little bit more opportunity uh, through, by way of DNA um, and, uh, again, technology that, you know, others might not have. So you would look at kind of those a little bit more. Um, there's many ways that a cold case can be taken on as an investigation by, by somebody in that unit.
1: You know, when you look at it from a, a business standpoint, as far as a, what is the boss telling this division in the cold case department?
0: Right. So, you know, you're related to a business, right? Where What's your greatest ROI, right? Is this case going to give you, um, what about this case is fruitful that we could maybe grasp onto and run with, right? What's the probability of us getting a successful conclusion from this case. But there are cases that have a lot of meat and potatoes to it. And there's some that at first glance, there's nothing we can do with this. I love those. I love those because tell me or tell another cold case detective that there's nothing else we can do with it. And it's a challenge, right? Just the simple fact, whether again, at first glance, there's nothing to do with it. Just a simple fact that another human said, I'm going to take somebody else's life and you're not going to find me there's something to be, we just haven't found it yet. There's something there. We just don't know about it. We don't know what we don't know. So I love the cases that, that don't have uh, a lot to grasp onto. And then I do love the ones that have a lot to grasp onto because it makes life a little bit easier.
1: Well, the, the other big factor, you know, as you talk about New York City, you know, New York City is a pretty hard hitting place. And I don't, I don't think I, To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Learn life until I spend a lot of time in the city. Sure. And then you realize that the city's not that big. So, you know, once you know certain people and whatever you do, it's not a not a big place. So when you have the factor, like the mob and, you know, their agenda, and then you just have uh, normal murders and so forth that take place, you know, how, how does New York City play a factor in, in, in your career? Or how did it play a factor in your career, you know, dealing with mobsters and so forth?
0: I didn't have any involvement in organized crime. Uh, mine were, you know, just I hate to use the word run of the mill homicides. It, there was it was somebody taking the life of somebody else. I, I didn't get involved in organized crime. I was never involved in, uh, narcotics. Um, I was never involved in, in, in special victims. It was, it was a homicide, right? Um, if it did involve one of those things, then you would involve a specialty detective in that particular unit. Uh, then most often than not, you would, they would investigate it and or investigate it with you. I never personally had any involvement in any of those types of homicides.
1: Do you you think New York City being in the city and investigating these murders in the city made it tougher than, uh, you know, someone that might be in Iowa or whatever?
0: Well, I mean, just the first thing that comes to mind to answer that question would be, you have a lot more um, opportunity for witness in a densely populated area like New York City. You have a lot more, especially today, cameras surveillance video uh, again witnesses than you would if you were in farmland right um, so as complex as the city is it it provides a little bit more opportunity for investigative uh investigative opportunity i would i would say
1: gotcha and you said you said something about your wife earlier about saying she said you're unimpressed all the time <laughs> you know how did she how did the family you know you have kids and how did the family make it through your career with you you know and bringing a, this bringing this home that's a
0: great question uh, I still ask myself that every day how do how are they still sticking around after everything I put them through um, but i have I've said it before and it's worth saying again you know our kids our family learns through what we do right and wrong we we can teach and we could be a, a lesson through our struggles as well and uh, you don't always see it when you're going through them and I surely did but you know, it's, uh, it's never too late. My kids, uh, again, are somehow my wife is somehow still hanging around. Um, but it's, uh, it was a very tough upbringing for them. It was a very tough, uh, life for them, Uh, but we've grown through it and, uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah.
1: Cause that's the other thing. I don't think we, we think about the people, you know, outside looking into this world, don't realize the effect it has on the families you know and i'm you know bring because i'm like i said i'm a big energy person and you know we're all connected what was the main goal of the book and what what
0: are you looking to achieve with the book you know that's a good segue john because you talk about everyone being connected it's exactly why the book is named what it is uh and i'll give my wife the shout out she 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 came up with the name of the book um it's living right We're all living blue. You're living it yourself. Maybe you're the officer, right? You're living it, maybe your spouses. Maybe you're the child. Maybe you're the mom, the dad, the aunt, the uncle, friends, so on and so forth, right? We're all living blue. We're all living through that journey of that career in some way or another, right? You can't separate that. We're all connected, right? I'm dealing with it firsthand. I'm out there doing it. You're dealing with it by waiting for me to come home. You're dealing with me when I come home all the good and bad that I bring through that door, right? We're all connected. Um, and that's the, the name of the book. And the purpose of the book is to shed light on this career from recruitment, like the name, to and through retirement, through sharing of stories. Um, you mentioned something in a podcast once about the inspiration and in creating something that others respond to. That's the purpose of this, is to create something that hopefully can help educate. We started off talking about education that can help educate the officer and the ones in their life. And they can say, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not the only one that has gone through these things. I now understand what this is that I'm going through. I I can name it. And now I could know how to move past it. And that's part of the, that's this book, right? It's my story. And Barbara Rubel, my co um, brings in the research and the, uh, and the education behind those stories. So it's a tandem, a little bit back and forth. My story, her explanation, um, and it's for everyone. It's it's not just for the the Leo. It's for everyone that's living blue, connected to that Leo. Was,
1: was there some situation or something that that made you want to do this? Did somebody talk you into it, or <laughs> what was there something in life that that happened? Say, so, hey, I got to put this on paper.
0: Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, so I'm in this space not because, uh, over 20 years ago, I said this is what I wanted to do when I retired, right? It's the career, the journey that led me here. What is, what do I mean by that? You know, um, I was never involved in, in a shooting or, 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 or incident like that. But what I did experience was what every officer out there and every first responder out there goes through. It's a, Cumulative trauma throughout their entire career, right? Where maybe a normal civilian, somebody would go through one, two, three traumatic incidents in their lifetime. These men and women out there in uniform are going through five, 10 a day for their entire career. That's a lot. And you don't realize how it builds up. I didn't realize how it built up, right? Um, that's what led me to become a peer support counselor with the NYPD's peer team um, during COVID. We were kind of in limbo, not really allowed to, 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 to go out and work. I became a crisis counselor where the crisis center and it, I started to immerse myself in the mental health space. And I realized that there's so much that can be done. There's so many great people doing so many good things in this space. And I started to identify with that as what I wanted to do. And I was told many times, you'll know when it's time to retire. And I never really truly understood that until that time. And I said, you know what? I think this is what I now need to do. And again, good timing, September 2020. We all know that, that, that time I exited the police department and, and started, started this journey. So no, nobody forced me to write the book. I was writing and I, uh, was doing a lot of writing at the time and I had read Barbara's book, but I didn't say goodbye. Uh, I reached out to her, pitched her an idea. And she thought it was great. And, uh, three years later, we, we published, uh, I think we're published this, this, just put together.
1: Well, you still, you're talking about trauma. I mean, you know, and I kind of touched on this a little bit. I mean, how do you feel now? Are you, are you still doing things to try to, uh, kind of redirect your mindset, you know, like from a healthy standpoint?
0: Without a doubt. If I, the minute we stop learning is when we start dying. Uh, it's who you listen to, who you read, who you surround yourself with, which was totally negative during the bad time. Uh, now it's completely different for me. And that has to be a continual process because we absorb. You talk about energy, right? Uh, how we think is how we feel, and how we feel is how we act. And if and if we're we're feeding our our minds and our bodies with the negative negativity and bad things, it's exactly what we're going to produce
1: you know if you if you're going to speak to someone or or go speak
0: somewhere what what is that narrative that you put out to the world when you go when you go speak it, it depends big on the audience right what what is their need who am i speaking to who who's the audience what what is the gap that they might need to to fill but really on the flip side of that it doesn't really matter who i'm talking to it doesn't matter we're all we're all humans and i i was looking at the website and you said something on the website about uh, the interviews are made to create a new understanding about life from the foundation. I know a lot of what I try to convey is that, and I, I've said it so many times uh, in nauseam, but we're, we're human beings that happen to be cops and not the other way around. And that's really the main message. At the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have the ability to, to, to care for one, care for ourselves, learn how to care for ourselves better and care for others. And when we share our stories and we simply get up in front of folks and connect it, at the very basic level it's hey i'm doing this you too can do it and you're not alone you might be on your own isolation island thinking that nobody could possibly understand your world but listening to somebody else speak about their their journey can maybe open the door for you to do the same so um that's really that aside from the specific audience you you might be talking to and 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 certain to- requested topics at the end of the day it's um
1: well you since you have such a creative i feel like you're such a creative mind um for some reason and creative mind with an engineer process do you feel like you're a highly sensitive person uh that was a homicide detective
0: i'd say i am a sensitive person i am yeah got a big heart to a fault sometimes yeah
1: yeah yeah because a lot of times you know i think when certain people with high sensibilities you know they want to help you know i don't know you know i don't know what that is i mean i i was very similar i didn't I didn't realize how, how sensitive I was that when I was younger, I would lean towards alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. And, and you, because you don't, you don't know what that feeling is, you know, and you got to kind of internalize that feeling. So, you know, I, th- I think people like that, you know, want to help, you know, and sometimes we help too much, I think, you know, and we give ourselves away too much. Cause I'm like, you know, you got to find thyself first before we give all
0: ourselves away, you know? Yeah. You can't give that what you don't have.
1: Well, Jason, I don't know. I mean, I think we, we touched on some pretty good stuff here today. I, I don't know uh, if there's anything else that you would like to uh, speak on um, that we may have not touched on. But, uh, you know, the book is, if you haven't been paying attention, the book is Living Blue. And it's, it's about life uh, as an officer and, and how that affects everybody around them. So check that out. Where, where can we find the book?
0: You could find it on, thank you. You could find it on Amazon, right? There's the paperback version and the Kindle version. Um, you could find it on Barnes and Noble online. You could find it on Walmart online. Um, we are talking about in, in the next within the next year coming uh, to do an audio version. A lot of folks like to listen. Um, so we want to make that available to to, to people. Um, but yeah, you could find it easily on, on Amazon.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And was there anything else you wanted to put out there? Did we, did we cover everything?
0: Uh, well, I mean, you asked, so I'll just throw a shameless plug out there. We're, we're in the process of, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't satisfied with the book. And part of when I talk about isolation is feeling like you, you're, you, nobody could understand really like your struggle, my wife and I, and, 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 and two great friends, uh, created Living Blue Apparel. And the whole point of the apparel company is to, to create stuff. Uh, it's the name Living Blue. Um, so when people see our gear, it, it's a silent reminder that that person gets me. That person knows my world. Uh, I'm not alone. Uh, that's really it. Uh, and that was the purpose of Living Blue Apparel. So we're still working on stuff. It's, 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 it's launched. It's available livingblueapparel.com on all the socials. Uh, it's on all my social media uh, accounts as well. So you could easily find it. Um, again, still work in progress, but uh, I'm proud of it. And um, for asking,
1: well, and I think too, you know, when you when you mentioned about what uh, my podcast says, you know, I think you know these questions I asked is is kind of like if somebody's a kid, you know, and they just got out of their law enforcement training and then they're going into the, mm. you know, going apply for a job wherever that is. You know, I I think hearing from people like you and really hearing how you feel instead of something that's mundane and structural, you you know, that gives some people to relate to, you know, I think that's a big deal because you don't you don't hear that. Behind the, behind the wall type of, uh, you know, mentality and process. People don't put that out there. So I think, you know, putting that out there more and more and more really educates people on what, what to really expect, you know, what real life is, because I think that's how
0: you learn life, you know? Yeah. And you, you touched on a something that's really important to me, and that's the that new recruit, that new kid that starts their cat and they're excited. And to let them know you're, you're going to hurt, you're going to go through it right? It might look different for you than it does the guy next to you, girl next to you. But to understand as you're going through that career that there are folks out there that's that, that have gone through similar type situations that are there to help you, it is a constant struggle to break down that that wall of not wanting to say, hey, I need help, right? That's a human thing. It's difficult for humans in general to say, I need help, uh, let alone the first responder profession because of all the stigmas that that are attached to it. But Telling that new kid that you, you were talking about, telling that new kid that you're, you're gonna go through it, but you're not gonna go through it alone. This is very important.
1: Cause I, Cause I think too, you know, even like, a, you know, the relationship side, you know, there might be, might be less divorces if they know what to expect, <laughs> you, you know what I mean?
0: Less divorces, less health issues. Happy people uh, don't get sick as often, right? Uh, you're talking about the mind-body connection. Uh, yeah. Less, less, uh, career ending situations. Right. Um, you can go on and on about the negative consequences, uh, that can result, but, um, yeah, be a little bit. Of, and that's it to, to try to help somebody else have a happier tomorrow. And they don't say, I don't want to see tomorrow that that's the goal, right? Just give it one more day. Just give it explore it. Just one more day is, is the overall main goal. Well,
1: Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. And if you're Thinking about going into law enforcement, I think living blue will definitely be a must to read um, because I think understanding some of these things before you get into that type of career would be very, very beneficial. Uh, And this has been former homicide detective Jason Palomara, and I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you.